Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I want to walk, but I run back to you. That's why I hate myself for loving you. I got to tell you, don't hate yourself, um, I had one of those experiences last night. I am just not a social creature. I'm just not, you know. Um, I know you think I am because I spend a lot of my life talking to large crowds of people. But it's the really not my favorite thing to do. And it is even less of my favorite thing to go to a place where there are thousands of people. And I do it. You know, I'm I'm not, uh, I'm learning to get over some of that social anxiety. It only took me, you know, 40 years to figure it out. Like you can still be quiet and you don't have to jump around. I literally said hello to four people last night and I knew dozens of people that were there and there were certainly more than dozens that knew me and would have liked to talk to me. But with the exception of my friends, Debbie and Daniel, my friend Tracy and her crew, um, my friend Siggy Flicker and a couple of the other Jexit girls. I just, you know, I'm not, uh, I go somewhere for a specific purpose. I went last night to hear what Donald Trump had to say. And trust me, there's already plenty of controversy over what he had to say. And, you know, how do I feel about what he said about Bibi Netanyahu last night? I was a little upset about it. In all in all honesty, I was a little upset about it. It didn't seem like an appropriate comment at, at that time. Um, but Donald is Donald. You know, if, if he was predictable or if he played by the rules, he wouldn't be Donald. So I've learned to just, you know, sort of shake my head and uh, think about the best things. So what ended up happening was there was a, a, a panel beforehand I had thought Matt Gates was going to be speaking. He he did finally make it there. I think he got caught in traffic. I don't know, uh, but he didn't end up speaking. He did come out and take a you know a bow. He got a big big standing ovation. People like him and like what he did. And you know that's that's it was a good crowd for him. But then there was a panel, and you know everybody on the panel was great. I mean great people, but nobody was there to see the panel. And there's an element of all this celebrity. I think Dan Bongino actually referred to it in part of his show today. I was in and out of his show as he was in and out of his show. He had some technical difficulties and I was in and out of my car, so I didn't get to listen to the whole show. But he made some, you know, some reference to something that occurs to me all the time. And that is, People listen to him or listen to me to hear what we have to say. And while he's much more comfortable 
bringing on guests, and he has a lot of great guests, you know, a lot of people who he served in the um, Secret Service with, people he served in the NYPD with. These are guys who are experts, and if you can bring them on to add their expertise, that's great, right? But I think primarily he's like me. He just wants to talk to you. I just want to talk to you. I'm not interested in knowing what every other pundit is saying about any particular issue. There are very few people I watch at all. I have grown uh, very fond of Harris Faulkner or Harris, whatever her name is, that does the 11 o'clock show on Fox. I listen to it on the radio. I don't watch television. But I, I think she is, she's really uh, strong and a very good voice for conservatism. You know, so I, I, I try to listen to her a little bit every day. But I don't really wait to hear what she has to say before I make any, you know, decisions about what I'm going to talk about today. It's not, we're all talking about pretty much the same thing. You know, Hamas is ISIS. It's pretty much anybody with a brain has taken that position. So I don't really need to hear anybody else's. The reason I listen to Dan is because he adds a lot of knowledge to what do you do to protect yourself? He brought up some interesting things today about things that I've been talking about for a long time. But before he was on the air, I think I was the only one talking about him, which is like churches and synagogues are soft targets because for the most part, people don't think they have to be cautious in there and people are not protecting themselves in there, except if you go to my church. And he brought up something that I think is extremely relevant. If everybody is sitting in a church and they're all looking up front to look at the uh, pulpit, to look at the, the bima then who's watching the entrance in the back? There should always be an armed guard there. And in our church, there has always been an armed guard there, always. Not because we live in constant fear and not because we attract a lot of attention, but because we're responsible for the safety of the members of the congregation, and we take that very seriously. And I think these are really troubled times. I think anybody who thinks that there aren't imminent attacks somewhere else in the world besides Israel over the next couple of months is stupid, delusional. And I'm not one of you. I'm not one of the stupid delusional people, just not. I am quite certain that the very same monsters who were wreaking havoc at a music festival in Israel have brethren in the United States of America right now who came loping across the southern border. I know that. And you'd be crazy to deny that. So I'm quite confident that when you turn on my show, your expectation is that I'm going to tell you my take on whatever the story is. And I am, maybe it's just me, but sitting there last night and watching a panel of other people talking about, you know, what their relationship with Donald Trump is or what the, you know, what they're thinking about, you know, what's going on in Israel. It is not my my first choice. And I get, I get like jumpy. That's the only way I can describe it. I get nervous. Like, I, I, you know, I begin to wonder, are we going to get to the, you know, the part that I'm here for or is that not going to happen? Because sometimes, you know, there's interference. People don't come. 
And I don't know, you know, when an event is scheduled for a certain time, my expectation is, okay, that's what time it's going to be. And I know there's always going to be delays, so I don't freak out about delays. But sometimes it is really somewhat tedious for me. And I can only speak for myself, you know, because I'm an opinion maker. I don't like to listen to other opinion makers. Help me out here, you know, it, probably primarily because it colors the way you're thinking about anything, especially if you respect them. For instance, the libs of TikTok woman, I think she is awesome. I think that what she has done, what she has accomplished, you know, just basically from sitting in her home during COVID and deciding like, well, why don't we just show what libs say about themselves and let the world see that? You know, so I'm interested in her. I'd be interested in maybe a 10 minute interview with her. I'm interested in what, uh, you know, DC Drano has to say. I follow DC Drano on X, Twitter, whatever, Truth Social, all these various platforms. One of the few people that I do follow pretty religiously. I think he, brilliant commentary. I know his story. He was much more of a Hollywood type. And then he said, well, uh, I won't get jobs if I do the kind of posting I want to do under my own name. So I'm just going to, you know, make up this character, DC Drano. And, uh, and he's fascinating and he's got a lot of insight and he also has a lot of uh, personal connections so he can tell some interesting information. Um, I really am not familiar with the, the comic that was there. Terrence uh, seems like a nice guy, seems funny. I know Lavelle, uh, you know, a very successful businessman. I, I, you know, but to be, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I would have rather heard from Roseanne Barr, who was sitting in the front row, than a panel. That's just me personally. And then I start to get jumpy. And, and I can't explain it, but I'm never comfortable in public places. And they really are wonderful for me there. They keep me segregated from everybody. They get me in, they get me out. They're, they're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Larry and Sue and, and Linda are the best, right? No complaints. But I'm just not good at the weight. Never have been, probably never will be. And so I start to get a little jumpy, a little fidgety, and I'm texting with a friend of mine who's watching it on Rumble. And I say, you know, if something doesn't, you know, happen in 10 minutes, I'm thinking about leaving. And they said to me, you don't want to do that. You're there. You know, you're going to hear the man speak. This is a big moment. Not that I haven't heard him speak before. But it's always exciting. So I, I hung tough. I hung tough. And then there was a long period of time after the panel where I, I understand they were probably busy backstage, taking photographs, whatever they were doing. And I hung in. And for me, that's not easy. But I hung in. And I hung in because my friend made a comment, texted me a comment that was exactly what would keep me seated. She said, she said, you don't want to miss this opportunity, not today. And I thought, you know, you're right. I need a pep talk. I need a shot in the arm. I need to believe that we've got everything under control one way or another. And I need to believe that Donald Trump is going to be the president. I need that, you know, because I get very frustrated listening to all the naysayers. And, you know, today they were wild. So I stayed, and I'm so grateful I did, 
because he does that for me. Donald Trump for me is like um, a double espresso with a shot of ginseng. He just has a way of invigorating me and making me confident in what I believe will be victory. And I, and I sit there and I gauge the audience. Now, obviously, this is a crowd that's pro-Trump. You know, there wasn't anybody in there. I didn't hear any naysayers. At one point, it sounded like there might have been some chanting going on, but it quickly got drowned out by USA. So I don't know if there were any people there who weren't big Donald Trump supporters, but I would say 99.9% .9 of the people in there uh, are like me. They're just gung-ho Donald Trump supporters. So I'd, I still watch them because I want to see how they're reacting to the things that he's saying. You know, there are times when the Donald says stuff that we cringe. We just do. We don't stay cringed because he moves so quickly. You're not going to be in the cringy place for very long, right? And then there are times when you just, you hear something and it really reaches right inside of you. It touches that part of you that needed to be encouraged. And at that point, I would turn around and look at the people and it was doing the same thing for them. That is incredible. The effect that he has on his supporters, I'm not claiming he has it on people who don't support him because he don't, but the effect that he has on his supporters is tangible and it is incredible. I've never, ever seen anything like it. I saw something that approximated it once in a local candidate who just had that it factor, but nobody has it like Donald Trump, nobody. And there were people of all ages, people of all colors, people of all uh, genders, and people of questionable genders. I mean, the whole nine yards. Everybody was well represented, you know, including, you know, people of color, which you don't always see at these Republican or conservative or Donald Trump events. But they were well represented last night, and not by the usual assortment of clowns that show up to these events because they want to be on television or they want their picture taken or whatever. There was plenty of media there. And all I know is that about 10 minutes before the end, I felt completely vindicated and satisfied that I'm right, he is the person that needs to get elected, and I am confident that if things don't change, if things continue in the direction they're going right now, it's gonna be a landslide. And not because his supporters support him, but because the world is tired of America being weak and ineffective. America is tired of seeing images of what madmen and lunatics and terrorists and crazy leaders like Putin, uh, that we're tired of watching them have their day. We want our day back. We believe in America. We believe America is great. And we believe that Donald Trump makes it greater. So I needed it. It was definitely, um, you know, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, all the people who put those, uh, those events together. It takes a lot of volunteers. A lot of people have to work hard to pull off an event like that at the Palm Beach Convention Center in under a month. They pulled this whole thing together. Yeah, had Secret Service and TSA. I mean, it was a big deal. And I thank you all because I needed that so badly. I needed just to be in the presence of somebody who, like me, 
thinks America is the greatest nation on earth and is willing to give up a life of ease and comfort to fight for it. Yeah, that's what he's willing to do. And therefore, that's what he makes me willing to do because I'd love to retire, but it ain't time. All right, don't forget to download our app, the 850WFTL app, or visit the website, 850WFTL.com, where you can participate in contests and get involved in uh, podcasts, listen to everything again if you want to. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So funny. Yeah, I'm getting all these emails from people saying, hey, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I know your comfort level in public places and you don't love people coming up to you and therefore I never do. I respect your space even though I'm such a huge fan. <laughs> That's my listeners. They're the best, right? She said, I felt the same way about you about last night as you did. Um. I personally needed him, she said. I've been in such a hole of pain and sadness and just needed him to lift me up, and he did, just as I had hoped. It helped me turn a corner and move forward to now try to find ways to help Israel. And and that's what, that's the amazing part about him. And, and look, I'm tired of trying to explain this to people. I really am. When they ask me, you know, how I can overlook something like, you know, the the unnecessary story about Bibi Netanyahu. When they ask me, you know, how I can overlook that, I say, because the bottom line is, I'm never gonna, I'm not looking for, a, you know, a, a perfect person. I'm not looking for a savior. I'm looking for someone who is as determined as I am to make America great again. That's all I'm looking for. And when he does that kind of stuff, there's part of me that says, you know, I wish, I wish I had his ear. And then I realize I know lots of people who have his ear. And he does what he wants to do. And he shoots from the hip. And if you tick him off, he has a very long memory. And while you know, the rest of us are always more concerned about like, well, is this the appropriate time? And should I be saying these things? He never thinks that way. And that's why no matter how many times I sit in an audience or I sit in a rally or I, in the old days, had the opportunity to actually have a conversation with Donald Trump, I always walk away feeling more than any other feeling like I'll have mixed feelings I always will because inevitably I'll say like what did he what <laughs> I do a lot of that but the final feeling that I always have is it's going to be okay everything's going to be okay we just got to get him back into the White House and you know, when the people say to me, well, but, you know, we have a, a great alternative in Nikki Haley, a great alternative in Ron DeSantis, a great alternative in Tim Scott, whoever, whatever name they came up, look, you're all entitled. You know, I certainly am not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think Ron DeSantis was a great governor. 
And I do use was, as Donald Trump did last night, because where is he? He's just, you know, running for president. And I, I called it. I said, you can't be a great governor and run for president. You, you can only do one or the other. And while somebody told this incredible politician, Ron DeSantis, that it's all going to be okay, and if you miss this window, you'll never have another chance, they were wrong, and they lied to him because he would always have had another chance. Now the question is, will he have another chance? Because people aren't happy with a couple of different things having to do with him running. That's not the way to start the future. You know, that's the way to kind of end a future. Now, do I, you know, do I cheer when he uses the nicknames for Crooked Joe and, and Ron DeSanctimonious? You know, um, yeah, yeah. You know why I cheer? Because he's the only politician who actually tells you what they're thinking and what they're feeling. The rest of them are all just political, namby-pamby. Uh, they hold their finger up in the wind to see which way, to hold their finger up in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. I'm sick of that. You know, tell me what you, what you really think. And then if I don't agree with you, uh, we can have a debate about it. But I don't even know what half of these politicians really think. They never tell me. I find out later, oh, did you read the notes? Uh, this I had a diary, and he hated Jews. Oh, okay. Well, you don't have to have any question about who Donald Trump doesn't like. He is quite clear in making that obvious. And if you mess with him, he will make that obvious as well. So I'm just, I'm just recovering from... I recognize... And I think that it's important that everybody else does. That I am not looking for some polished politician who always gets it right and who never says anything that will offend anybody and never upsets the media because they were upset last night. You can bet that. You know, he calls them out all the time. And then he has the the renegades, you know, the the Gina Loudons and the D.C. Dranos and the Chaya, the, the lives of TikTok and Siggy Flicker. And, and, you know, he's got those people, this uh, Terrence and Lavelle. He's got those people who are firmly on his side. But that's not particularly relevant to his supporters. The only thing that's relevant to us is what does he have to say about what's going on today? And what kind of promises is he making us? Because he honored almost all of his promises. The ones he didn't, it was really the other Republicans who stood in his way, never mind the Democrats, which were always standing in his way. So I heard what I needed to hear last night. I heard a little too much last night when he'd come right down to it, but I heard what I needed, and what I needed was to know that he's not giving up, and he's not surrendering, and he's not concerned about the cost to himself or his family. His son Eric and Lara were there last night. And, you know, these two, the, the, their whole empire is crumbling around them. They can't do business in New York, which is their hometown. It's where the Trump empire was built. So this family has really sacrificed a lot. But they do it with conviction. And I'm just so sick of politicians with no conviction. 
that I was reinvigorated last night. I was. You know, one of the things I think people have to be mindful of, and I say this in particular to some of my very dear friends who we're just not dear friends all the time anymore because we have such uh, ideological differences about Trump. And it's not that they won't vote for Trump because they will, and they admit that. But I, I tell the story all the time. When I have rats in my house, and I call everybody in town and say, can you give me a great exterminator who can get rid of my rats? And they give me some guy's phone number. I call the guy and he shows up at my house. And he's like a big, fat, burly, uh, speaks with an obscenity in every sentence looking guy. And every time he leans over to see where the rats might be coming from, I see the crack of his behind. I don't say, I can't use you. You're unappealing to me visually. If he gets rid of the rats, I will then recommend him. Because I didn't invite him to my house for lunch. I called him to my house to get rid of the rats. I have called Donald Trump to the White House to get rid of the rats. And I believe he made a good start in the first term, and I think he's going to finish the job in the next term. So I needed the pep talk, I needed to be reinvigorated, and I needed to not think about the brutality and disgusting things that have gone on in Israel for the last almost week now. And I was able to move past that for an hour, and that's a blessing because I'm tired of being steeped in the sadness and the depression, as I'm sure you all are. Not that I'm finished talking about it, because stay through this break. I will be right back. So Hamas has called all of the Muslims all around the world tomorrow to stage a holy war, a day of jihad, on Friday, October 13th, which, by the way, you know, if you are a fan of horror movies, that's when horror movies are released. And of course, we're what, two weeks away from Halloween. So they're referring to the day as Al-Aqsa Flood, which is the name of the operation in which it murdered 1,200 plus Israelis and other people, wounded over 3,000 and kidnapped over 100. So the Middle East uh, Media Research Institute, Memory, has a report where Hamas says, we declare next Friday, the Friday of the Al-Aqsa flood, as a day of general mobilization in our Arab and Islamic world and among the free people of the world. I'm trying to figure out, like, which Arab countries would you consider free people? Think about that for a minute. You know, chew on that tonight after the show. Um, it is a day to rally, support, offer aid, and participate actively. It is a day to expose the crimes of the occupation. By the way, could someone explain to me how when you give a people the land that they asked for, 
How is it that you are still considered an occupier? Like last time I checked, Gaza is in the hands of the people who live there. The fact that they voted Hamas in as their government, shame on them, you know, but you certainly can't blame Israel for that. So uh, who's occupying what? Anyway, it is a day to expose the crimes of the occupation, isolate it, and foil all its aggressive schemes. It is a day to demonstrate our love for Palestine, Jerusalem, and Al-Aqsa. It is a day for sacrifice, heroism, and dedication, and to earn the honor of defending the first Qibla of Muslims, the third holiest mosque, and the ascension of the trusted messenger. We call upon the free people of the world to mobilize in solidarity with our Palestinian people and in support of their just cause and legitimate rights to freedom. Are they talking about the free people in Syria that Bashar uh, Assad is killing? Or are they talking about the free people in uh, Saudi Arabia where the women uh, can't drive without you know a male relative? Or are they talking about the free people who are in Afghanistan where the Taliban has now... Uh, eliminated education again for women, um, subjugated women again. Which free people in the Muslim world are they calling on? I, I, I'm just asking, you know, because I, I, I was trying to figure out which country. Are the, maybe Egyptians? I, I'm not sure. Where are these free people in the Muslim world? Hamas also called on Palestinians within the West Bank, which, by the way, I'm not going to call it the West Bank anymore. It's Judea and Samaria. That's what it is. And so now they're telling the people in the West Bank, the people in Judea and Samaria, to rise up against Israeli soldiers and called on the Arab citizens of Israel are people within the occupied territories of 1948 to revolt against the state. Do you not see the theme here? They don't think that, they're not, they don't want a two-state solution. They want Israel gone. They want the Jews dead. There's no two states. There already are two states. It's Israel and Jordan. <laughs> but that's not what they want. They're calling for Arab Israelis who live better than any other Arabs in the world. They want them to rise up and start killing IDF soldiers. The horrors that we saw were in a movie. This was not a horror film. This was, this was real depictions of real monsters not the stuff of horror movies, but real-life monsters, terrorists, who think nothing of raping and killing and beheading and all the rest of it. And let me tell you, for those people out there who are saying, well, you know, they didn't behead 40 babies, I don't care how they killed those 40 babies. How about that? 
The point is that they did kill them. I don't care if they uh, beheaded one or 20. The point is that they would even, even ever behead one. I don't care that the girl who they led into that Jeep with blood pouring down from her groin after having been obviously brutally raped, I don't care what they think she represents. I just don't give them any room. I do not call them human. I do not care what happens to them. And I no longer care what happens to the people in Gaza who have tolerated this insanity and voted Hamas into leadership in that part of the, uh, of the land. I don't. Oh, well. You know, if they're going to hide among civilians, civilians will die. If they're going to bomb Israel's children's hospital, then their children are going to die. Not because Israel wants to kill them, but because they are hiding among them. It's the same thing that Golda Meir said generations ago. She said the only time there will be peace is when they love their children more than they hate ours. And that has not happened yet. So don't forget, coming up after me will be Eric Erickson and Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, and uh, all the overnight guys tomorrow morning. To wrap up this week, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show at 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade at noon, Dan Bongino, and then, of course, I'll be back at 3 o'clock tomorrow to finish out this week. And it's been a hellacious week, a hard week for everybody. I get that. But... If you get a chance, maybe I think it's on Rumble, to watch Donald Trump's speech last night. And if you can just not get all nutty about the BB comments and listen to the rest of it, you will be energized, as I was. And I'm ready for a fight. Let me tell you something. Uh, if, if those monsters, those terrorists, those garbage things masquerading around as human beings Think they're going to play that game over here? Bring it on. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. So, of course, as inevitable, the, the Jewish people all over the world are bracing themselves, and they're getting all this information from local and federal law enforcement agencies across the United States right now where they're stepping up their patrols of synagogues and Jewish-owned businesses and uh, diplomatic buildings uh, for Israel because attacks on the Jewish community are being called for online. Unbelievable what I've seen online. Former Hamas leader Khaled Mashal called for a global day of anger in support of the recent Hamas attack that's tomorrow. He said that demonstrations would send a message of rage to Zionists and to America. Day of rage. We've been here before. And they've produced some really large demonstrations. But never 
have those calls led to large-scale attacks in the past. But Oren Siegel, the vice president of the Athi DL Center on Extremism, said such calls are common in the Middle East, but now they are becoming more common here. Right now, we're concerned about the vulnerability of the Jewish community and the possibility of violence targeting the community. We're seeing how white supremacists online are glorifying what happened in Israel. We're also seeing organizations on the left at rallies and other events who justify and celebrate the violence. Multiple law enforcement officials told NBC News that they are monitoring a lot of chatter on social media about retaliatory attacks against Israel's counterstrikes on Gaza, which have also killed over 1,300 people. But of course, what you're immediately hearing is there's no specific, no credible, we don't know, we're just saying. Really? Anti-Semitism has been on the rise for years now. Anti-Semitic threats are made all the time. All the time. Specific threats against the Jewish community in the United States. Jewish kids on campuses don't feel safe. Campus leaders don't even know what to say. The stunning cowardice of, a, of American academia, that's what I think it was uh, Alex Berenson called it. He said the same professors, the same uh, administrators who make careers of defending microaggressions and having to design safe spaces for these vulnerable young people, they don't condemn Hamas's slaughter of innocents, including Americans. No, no, no. You know, they, they paid way more attention to a single individual, George Floyd's death, than they're paying to the 250 young people, including Americans, who were murdered at a, a dance, a, a, a party. What's wrong with these people? The Vanderbilt Chancellor wrote at 7.04 Saturday in Nashville, which would have been 3 a.m. Sunday in Israel, while Hamas's fighters were still slaughtering defenseless civilians, wrote, in the wake of today's developments in Israel and Gaza, we are heartbroken at the reports of violence in the region. Vanderbilt stands in support of our one Vanderbilt community, especially our community members with ties to the region. The deeply layered and nuanced complexity of today's incidents reminds us that we must denounce violence, hate, and prejudice in all forms and remain steadfast in our commitment to open discourse and a compassionate, supportive environment. Our university support resources are available to our students, faculty, and staff. What? How bizarre is that? From coast to coast, American universities have spent the last five days making statements that are Orwellian in how vague and passive they are. Brown School of Social Work, Washington University in St. Louis. The violence in Israel and Gaza is weighing heavily on all our hearts. What violence are you talking about? The terrorists? Ugh. Don't fall for it. I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here 
tomorrow at 3 o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.